together, Jesus comes to be with them. Matthew 18 verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them.
other and do it. singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. And it came to pass that the angel of the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest, saying, Take the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel from twenty years old and upward throughout their father's house all that are able to go to war in Israel. People of Israel, as you all know, we are now encamped in the plains of Moab by the river Jordan near Jericho. We have already fought a number of battles. We defeated King Arad, the king of the Amorites, the king of Bashan have fallen before us. The valor of our men under the Lord overcame them. But, but the hardest part of conquering the land of Canaan is about to begin. Therefore, the Lord has commanded us to count the number of men, all that are able to bear arms for Israel. In this way, we shall know the exact strength of our army. Also, as we conquer the Canaanites, we shall come into possession of land. And the children of Israel appointed men to number the people. 43,727, And so it went throughout the camp of Israel. But when it came to the family of Zelophehad, the son of Hefer, it was discovered that he had no sons, only five daughters. 
and so they were not counted. That's ridiculous. We're children of Israel, the same as you men. Be that as it may, our orders are to number the men only. We'll see about that. Now calm down, Mala. So what if they don't count us? That doesn't mean we cease to exist. Men, they think the world was made just for them. Don't we have hands to work with? Can't we use our heads just as well as men can? Oh, Mala, does it matter? Of course it matters. It's the principle of the thing. Well, there's nothing that we can do about it. Oh, isn't there? We can go and see Moses and put the matter to him. See Moses? Have you gone out of your mind? Oh, Terza, sometimes you make me very angry. Why shouldn't we go and talk with Moses? Moses hasn't got time for unimportant things like this. That's why the rulers of tens and hundreds were appointed. It's not an unimportant thing. Now listen. The girls argued for a long time. But in the end, Mala won Terza and the other three sisters over to her point of view. Determined to get justice, the five girls went to see Moses. Sir? Sir? Yes, yes, what do you want? We want to bring an injustice to your attention, sir. Well, uh, can't the proper ruler handle it? No, sir. Well, it will have to wait until another time. The princes of the congregation and I are very busy. We are debating the wording of our new inheritance laws. This matter concerns our laws of inheritance. It's very important. Really, it is. Well, very well. State your case. We are the daughters of Zelophehad, of the tribe of Manasseh. Our father died in the wilderness, and he was not in the company of them that gathered themselves together against the Lord in the rebellion of Korah. Why should the name of our father be done away with from among his tribe just because he has no sons? God commanded us to count the men only. It's unfair! It's unfair! Why should we be denied a possession among the brethren of our father simply because we are girls? And Moses brought the girl's cause before the Lord. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, The daughters of Zelophehad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren. And thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. As the Lord wills. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man die and have no son, then he shall cause his inheritance to pass unto his daughter. I understand. And this shall be unto the children of Israel a statute of judgment. It shall be so. And so, thanks to the determination of five girls, the law of Israel was changed to give to women the same rights as to the men a practice which most civilized nations follow to this day. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
favorite granddaughter, Mariam? <laughs> I'm your only granddaughter. Oh, yeah. I've been meaning to talk to your father about that. How was school today? We studied about World War I. Do you remember it? Uh, no. Believe it or not, it was a few decades before my time. What did you learn? I learned that people can be very mean to each other. Grandma, why do they do that? I think that people fight each other because they listen to the other voice. The other voice? In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were walking around and playing with the animals, a voice called from a tree. Remember the story? Oh, yes. I learned that at Bible class. Satan was in the tree looking like a beautiful serpent. He told Eve to eat the fruit that God said not to eat. And what did she do? She ate it. Why did she do that? Because she listened to the other voice. The voice that wasn't God's, right? Exactly. God's voice said, don't eat. Satan's voice said, eat. In World War I and II and Korea and Vietnam and in the Middle East, God's voice said, don't fight. Satan's voice said, fight. Today, God's voice says to us, Don't cheat. Don't lie. Don't be unkind. Satan says just the opposite. We need to decide who to listen to every day. Thanks, Grandma. I want to listen to God's voice. Smart girl. You get that from your dad's side of the family, you know. Oh, Grandma. Jesus wants to be our friend. He has placed in our hearts a desire to share our deepest secrets and brightest hopes with Him. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists.
You've joined me today for another story just for you. Chapter 5 Antonia. Chris was the first to speak. He's the mountain man. The man smiled. Then he said in a soft, musical voice, Are you sure about that? But, but, Chris stuttered, You're a woman, Dee Dee blurted. I sure am, the woman answered. But, are you Tony? Chris asked. Antonia, she answered. My friends and family call me Tony. But how can you be a mountain man? Maria asked. You're a woman. You can call me a mountaineer if you like, she said. Actually, you could even call me teacher. But why don't you just call me Tony? Why teacher? Are you a school teacher? Maria asked. Yes, I'm a high school biology teacher. Again, the shoebox kid stared. Hey, Jake piped up. You all look like goldfish standing there with your mouths hanging wide open. Come on, Tony. Here's a marshmallow stick. A while later, Willie was roasting a marshmallow next to Tony. If you're a biology teacher, do you know about rattlesnakes? I sure do, she replied. I do research on them every summer. Chris leaned toward Willie. Do you ever see any real bears? Certainly, Tony answered. I saw one this morning about a mile upstream. He was a little black bear having a blackberry picnic. Are you sure that wasn't just Bonzo? Dee Dee chimed in, grinning. Tony laughed softly. Bonzo was behind me investigating a gopher hole. Fortunately, he seems to know he shouldn't bother bears. He leaves them entirely alone. How did Bonzo become your dog? Maria asked. Mr. Jake found him. Oh, he's not entirely my dog, Tony replied. You see, in the summer, Jake is busy with river trips. When it's not summer, I'm in the city teaching school. So we share him. He walks with me in the summer and stays with Jake during his off-season. Bonzo seems to enjoy the arrangement. As if to prove her words, Bonzo came over and laid his head in her lap. You asked about rattlers, Tony said, turning back to Willie. What did you want to know? Do rattlesnakes really live here in the woods? Don't they just live in the deserts? There are rattlesnakes all over these woods. This river wasn't named for the porcupines living here, now was it? And speaking of porcupines, Tony added, it looks like another family of porcupines has moved into this area. So you'd better watch your gear tonight, especially shoes with leather. A few years ago, I accidentally left my saddle on the ground near my cabin overnight, and porcupines ate all the leather off it. Wow, Willie exclaimed. I didn't know they'd do that. Will you tell us some more about rattlesnakes? Sammy asked. Yes, please, Maria added, feeling a tingle run through her body. Will they come after us? Tony and Jake both chuckled. Not in your life, Jake answered. Them critters would take one look at you all and skedaddle off into the bushes. They're plumb nervous about being around people. Feeling better, the shoebox kids laughed with Tony and Jake. Then Tony held up her hand to get their attention. One thing to remember, though, she said when everyone was quiet, snakes may not come after you, but you do need to treat them with respect. Do you know what that means? Yeah, Willie spoke up. It means we need to be good to them. Almost right. There's another definition that says to refrain from interfering with. 
In other words, don't bother them. If you see one a few feet away, just quietly, slowly walk away. But what if it's closer than that, Chris asked? Then freeze and let it quietly, slowly move away. What rattlers do you have up here? Mr. Teller asked. Only the Northern Pacific Rattlesnake, Tony answered, smiling. That sounds more like the name of a railroad, doesn't it? How big do they get? Dee Dee asked. About as long as I am. Are you sure they won't come after us? Jenny glanced quickly over her shoulder. What if they're hungry? If they were hungry, Jake said, they'd look for a mouse or a squirrel. Or a rabbit, Tony added, or even a frog, but mostly squirrels. These snakes hibernate 210 days a year, so they need to eat a lot when they're awake. Suddenly, Sammy jumped. Uh, a snake, he cried, pointing behind the log he was sitting on. There's a snake. I heard it. It went Jake looked around the circle and grinned. We got us a pesky critter, all right. Bonzo, go get him. Bonzo bounded around the log and pounced on something in the shadows. The kids watched wide-eyed as Bonzo tugged on something big. Then they heard a giggle and a yelp. The kids burst out laughing as Bonzo pulled Chris around the end of the log by his pant leg. Maria didn't join in the laughter. Sure, everybody laughs at you, Chris, she thought. Everybody thinks you're so funny. Well, they don't have to live with you. They don't know how you lie. She ran over and pulled Chris to his feet. How could you be so mean? You keep scaring people. I was only having some fun, Chris replied. It's no big deal. It is a big deal, Maria yelled. You are mean, and I hate you. A tremble started way down inside her. She felt tears running down her cheeks. You scare people, then you laugh at them. You're awful. By this time, Maria knew she should stop, but it was like trying to stop a waterfall. Words just kept coming. She could see the others sitting very still, all with amazed looks on their faces. I hate brothers, she sobbed. They cause trouble. They lie to your parents. They... Whoa, Chris stopped her. I may be thoughtless sometimes, but I don't lie. No way. Yes, you did. You know you did. You lied to Dad about me. What? Chris looked shocked. What are you talking about? I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, was all that Maria could say. Mrs. Shue stepped up and slipped her arm around Maria. Come, Maria, she said. Let's go to my tent. You can tell me all about it. For a moment, Maria leaned against Mrs. Shue, her body shaking as she cried. Suddenly, she turned and ran to her own tent. She pulled off her shoes and scrambled into her sleeping bag, way down to the bottom of it. She sobbed as she clung to her pillow. Why do I have to have a brother like Chris? Why, God, why? He lied. I know he did. He just likes to be mean to people. He's even writing notes and telling all my friends untrue things about me. Sometime later, she heard Dee Dee and Jenny coming to bed. Maria, Dee Dee said softly, are you awake? Do you want to talk? Maria listened to the concern in her friend's voice. I need to tell somebody. I'd like to, but who can I tell? Dee Dee spoke softly again. Chris says he doesn't know what you're talking about. He says he doesn't lie. Oh, yes, he does, Maria blurted, her voice muffled by the sleeping bag. When? Dee Dee asked as Jenny zipped the tent flap shut. Just before we left home. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure, and I don't want to talk about it. Good night, Maria added in a louder than necessary voice. 
The story you've heard today is a chapter of the Shoebox Kids, Book 11, Rattlesnake River Adventure, written by Sandy Zog, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. The children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.